Well, good, good morning, church. How are you this morning? So good to have you here. So, so good to have you here this morning. Uh, welcome to Whiting Christian Church. What a blessing it is to have you here this morning. Uh, I have a very, very special guest. We have a very special guest uh, uh, to our church this morning. Uh, Stephanie Rowe has been our good friend for many years already. Uh, I got to serve at Nebraska Christian College uh, with Stephanie. She was on staff. We actually came in together at the very same time. Um, so we always kind of jostled in the, the graduation line at the end of the year. You know, who would go first? Was it Stephanie who got there first? Did she kind of sign her contract a day before me? Or um, So it was always fun. And I, Steph... Uh, allowed us to come into their home and be a part of their small group, get to know their family. Um, she is married. She's got two beautiful boys um, that are just fantastic. Uh, we love, love uh, hanging out with their family. Um, she's meant a lot to me personally. Um, when she decided that a year ago or so that it was time to, um, uh, to leave Nebraska Christian College, like, I remember standing in her doorway, just like, you're leaving. Uh, and, 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 and I cried. I will I, I admit to you um, wholeheartedly, I cried and cried and cried because uh, Stephanie was just such a good friend, is such a good friend, and I always enjoyed popping my head into her office and uh, talking with her. So will you give a warm, widening Christian church welcome to Stephanie Rowe? Stephanie, um, you have taught me a whole lot about this topic. We're in this series now um, for a couple of weeks, um, Healthy You, Healthy Church. And uh, really, we want to talk about being whole people, uh, and that is partly emotionally and mentally, uh, as well as physically and spiritually. But uh, this seems to be a topic that we don't always dig into in the church, uh, emotional and, and, and mental health. You have really, uh, you know, dedicated your life to emotional and mental health for people. I mean, you are a licensed counselor. You have a private practice. You, you left the college in part so that you could go back into private practice and really dig into this area of people's lives. Why is this such a big passion for your life? Talk about that a little bit. You know, I wish that I had a testimony that... A, a brilliant story to lead in with, but I don't. I, all I know is that I was a young girl in high school, and I really prayed that God would show me what he wanted me to do with my life. And in the town that I grew up in, um, it was a small farming community that I loved. And a lot of people in our area went to counseling at churches. And... Um, because we didn't have, you know, and I live in Omaha, and we have a counselor on every corner about, but that was not the way it was when I was growing up. And so many people went to the church to get help. And I knew that I wanted to work with the church, but I wasn't for sure that I wanted to be a pastor, so to speak. And God just really started to open my eyes to the idea that I could support and encourage the local church by helping their pastors with counseling needs. 
Because even at 18, I knew that my pastor didn't really have the time in his day to give to counseling like everybody needed. He did a great job. But counseling is a full-time job, and so is being a pastor. And those were two things that were difficult to do at the same time. Okay, that's the long story. I, I don't know what the short story is, but... <laughs> No, that's good. That's yeah. really, really good. Uh, so what I hear you saying um, is that, um, you know, you have special training that I have not received. Right. And um, you have a capacity to be able to handle some situations that probably I'm not able to, that even if I were try to try and walk into, I'm either going to mess things up, which <laughs> could be. It could be. Um, or... Um, I'm going to give maybe bad advice or be um, not, not give really complete, whole um, presence to those people because I have 10 other things, 50 right. other things uh, that I'm trying to work through. And um, at the end of the day, I'm like, well, go home, pray about it, right. and have a really good day. Yeah. Right? Keep trying. Try harder. Try harder. More. Yeah. Jesus yeah. loves you, you right. know. Okay. Which is true and very good advice. Yes, yes, but. and and he does, but but there's a lot that we right. we may not have capacity to be able to do. Which, yes. Which so I, I went to Bible college and Nebraska Christian College, and then I went to the University of Nebraska where I finished my bachelor's degree and I got a master's degree in counseling from the University in Omaha, and all of that was kind of specifically geared toward counseling. My master's is in community counseling which is kind of school counseling or community counseling. I went the community counseling way because I'm not a licensed teacher. And um, then I did all of my internships and practicums and provisional hours in churches. So the whole time I was kind of partnering up with churches, even though it was a university education, I was still getting kind of a Christian practicum or a practical experience all throughout that. That's really so cool. It was very cool. I've known Stephanie for a lot of years now, and that's the first time I've heard that piece. I love now that. You know. I love that piece. You know. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about uh, what is mental and emotional health? Yes. I mean, we're diving into the deep end of the pool here. I mean, what is it? What is it? Right. Uh, talk about that. Yes, I think that's a very good question because it's a broad, we're talking about a really broad topic, emotional and mental well-being. The easiest way f when people ask me this, I tell them it's a checkup from the neck up. And I tell them <laughs> that we have to think about what we're thinking about. And we have to take an assessment of how we interact with other people and how we interact with the world. And that when we think about things, are we thinking about things that are positive and hopeful and um, healthy? Or are we thinking about things that are negative and cynical and upsetting? So this idea of mental health is really interesting because when a school shooter opens up in a school, the news will say, we need mental health reform. They will say, this person was mentally ill, right? Mm. I promise. And then we will go, ooh, that's mental illness. That is the person who needs counseling. And really, the reality is that that is one extreme of who needs counseling or who could benefit from counseling. 
And over here, the person who could benefit from counseling is a really uh, well-educated 30-year-old um, exhausted mother of two who doesn't know, you know what they want to do with the next season of life. And that's over here, and then all the way over here is a school shooter. And everybody in between is getting put under this umbrella of, of emotion or mental health, right? right? So that's kind of unfair because then when we say to people like, you know, you might benefit from a counselor, sometimes the people, you think I'm a school shooter? Well, no, I don't. I think you could, I think a lot of people could benefit from counseling, in particular Christian counseling. And just because I say that doesn't mean that I believe that you're, you know, somehow falling to this side of the extreme. Does that help? So the idea of emotional and mental wellness is kind of all-encompassing. Um, and probably for most of us, but maybe not all of us, but for most of us, it's actually more down here. It's actually more a checkup from the neck up. How am I doing? How, what are my thoughts? How's my anger? You know, in what way do I interact with my kids and my spouse and my colleagues? Am I well? Which is, you know, a whole, more on a wellness scale than a mental illness scale. Okay, I, I want to jump in here because uh, you, you've touched on something like um, maybe we have this idea like it's the extreme case. It's the, right. it's, the, it's the guy that goes, you know, AWOL and just kills people or something. And that if I, if I admit to any kind of needing of mental right. something, then I'm going to be just automatically put in that category. Right. So, so church, I, I want to be transparent with you. Um, uh, I've been to counseling. Maybe that's helpful, right? Um, and uh, I'll tell you why I went several several years ago. Um, you know, Jolyn, uh, God bless her. Uh, she she just noticed that I was frustrated and angry um, more often than I should be. Right? I'm snipping at the kids. Um, I'm maybe snapping at her because she's safe. They're safe. This is my house. You know, while I'm nice to to everybody else, right? And um, so I finally say, you know what, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to the counselor. And what was very helpful to me was to have him say, you're perfectly normal, Mike. We just have to work on this area, and we have to have you thinking about, okay, what is it that you feel when you walk into the room? You need to be able to read the signs, and there's probably a trigger for you. Um, for me, actually, it's a physical trigger. Like, if I find myself frustrated, my heart rate goes up. And um, I go, whoa, okay. And I have to just be more aware of that. When I'm in a situation and my heart rate goes up, I have to pay attention to what's happening and what am I feeling, right? Why do I feel this way? Well, it might be a whole lot of things dealing with, you know, something that happened to me before. Um, and I think, oh, gosh, okay, I'm tethered to that emotion or I'm tethered to that experience. And I need to be aware of that so that I can respond better to everybody to my wife, to my kids, to my colleagues, to my church, um, and, and that was super, super helpful for me. So, so mental health is not a death sentence. No, no, not at all. In fact, I think it's, you know, it's the opposite. It's a light. It helps us do life well. And some people um, are, you know, just di on different places of this spectrum. You know, there's been times in my life when I have felt pretty well, but felt like I needed a tune-up. 
uh, you know, like an oil change. And there have been, you know, there have been seasons in my life where I really felt like I needed an overhaul. You know, I just, I really was not well. And so that's my full disclosure too, because I see a counselor regularly and uh, I see a doctor too who helps me with some depression. And um, that's been one of the best things I've ever done for myself and for my kids and for my husband and for my clients. About half of my client load is Christian counselors. So, you know, the counselors, we get it. We live in the real world. We are under a lot of the same pressures that you all are. And so counselors get counseling because we want to be well and available and healthy to help the people who come see us. So this idea that we're kind of joining in with these, this extreme is not true. You know, that could be true, but more than likely, we're kind of joining with people who are a lot like us, but want to do or be or feel better. I love that. Now, this is a good jumping off point. So we've kind of set the, the foundation here. I really like this. So I am sure... Right, being in church as long as I have, and being in church as long as you have, my whole life. You know, right, that there's probably some folks out here, uh, maybe that are going to be listening online, that are thinking, okay, is this for real? Uh, I just need to have more faith. I just need to believe in God more. I need to pray harder. I need to go to church more often. I need to serve better. You know, like, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and just be a better person. Respond to this idea that anxiety or depression or needing a tune-up from the neck up, I, I don't say it near as cool as you do. Uh, how, how does it go? Tune-up from the neck up. Check up from the neck up. Check up from the neck up. Talk about that piece because... Yeah. I think sometimes in the church, we have this idea that if I have enough faith and I don't need anything else, um, right. I just need to believe in Jesus and everything is going to be fine and I don't need any help and right. talk about that. Yes. One of my, I grew up, by the way, in the church from a young girl, uh, Christian parents took me to church, you know, as a baby all the way, you know, campus ministry. I faithfully attend the church that I've been at for 15 years now in Omaha. Um, and I would say that over the years, as people have come to know me as a counselor, they will often confess to me that they see a counselor. So they will, they will say something to me like, oh, I just, I have to tell you, I, I'm going to go see a counselor. As if they've done something wrong. And I tell them every single time, there is nothing you need to apologize about for that. Good for you. This is not a, we don't confess that we're going to go see a counselor. We celebrate that we are taking life by the horns and we're doing something about this area of our life that we don't feel good about. And so I would say as a Christian and as a counselor, I do have a lot of people who come to see me and they say to me, I'm just so disappointed I got to this point. Or they'll say, I'm just, I just really feel like I need, they want me to give them Bible study tips right. because they want, they want to, they, they want to increase their faith and make this go away. So I'm going to say two things. The first one is that our relationship with God and in our relationship with Christ are living in community in a church and our studying and understanding of the Bible matters. 
So in no way would I ever minimize that. I think that is the, one of our, the best and first things that we can do for our emotional and mental well-being. An a, active prayer life, a Bible study, being with other people who um, are in the church and have the same values and morals as us. I think this is enormous. Okay, period. Number two, when someone comes to me with high, high blood pressure, I do not ask them, have you prayed your high blood pressure away, sir? Do I? If somebody comes to me and says, you know, I have heart disease, never would I say to them, you know, you probably should not take your heart medicine. Instead, pray harder. And over the last several years, science has proven what I've known all along, which is that the brain of a depressed and anxious person absolutely looks different than the brain of someone who's not. And so when I while I believe that our relationship with God and to the church and to him matters, I also believe that we are against an absolutely real medical condition and that we have to treat that as well. So part of the, how we treat that is with talk therapy. For some people, part of how we treat that is with medicine. And there's nothing wrong with, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with either one of those. And just like my husband's high blood pressure medicine does not conflict with his faith, he does not ever take that medicine and think, if I just had more faith, I wouldn't have high blood pressure, is the same of if I take an antidepressant. I don't want to ask myself, if I had more faith, would I need this medicine? Because I'm treating a medical condition just like other people are. The other thing is this, I think it takes extreme courage and vulnerability to go see a counselor. And I think those things honor God. I think it's dishonoring to God if we say to him, I'm gonna do this all on my own and I don't ever want any professional help. I'm gonna stuff it all inside and do this on my own. I don't think that God is sitting up there going, good choice, wise. Do this all on your own and, and let it come out sideways and hurt the people around you. Go for that. I think when we say, God, I need help. I'm going to go get help. I think he goes, yes, go get help. Live a full, healthy life. And that that would honor him way more than this prideful stance that I'm going to do it on my own, and I don't need anybody else. And, and that's just it, isn't it? That, that, I mean, I was thinking it while you were talking about it, is that I have to come to a place. So, so let's understand grace here, right? I mean, there, there is a huge bit of spiritual discipline almost of grace to understand who God is and recognizing that perhaps I need to learn how through the, the guidance of someone else, how to think through me and think differently. And, and, and that's this bit of grace from God that says, you know what? You do need help. Right? right? I mean, right. Like, like, let's talk a little bit about uh, everybody, right? We are a church that is around, we focus around a Savior who is willing to die on the cross and, and do it for our sin, that this was a, an enormous covering, 
and that we have to be willing to come and to accept this grace, right? So in some ways, it's very similar. I have to be willing to recognize the broken part of me and come and accept the grace that God has, has wired through someone else. Just like if I were in a small group here at church uh, and, and there's accountability there and I am helped and guided on, let's say, how to study the Bible or something. So, um, yes, I love that, that we cannot be prideful people. We cannot be so prideful to say, I don't need help. Folks, if you are saying, I don't need help, then you need maybe to seriously consider your entire relationship with Jesus because you do need help, right? And without the kind of help that Jesus does bring you, there is no salvation outside of that, right? right. So I, I love that whole little piece of that. So, so then maybe there is a bit of saying, I have and I need the spiritual disciplines of study and journaling and, and, um, um, and devotion and community and prayer. And, and I may need to a- allow community to be a part of a Christian counselor or someone who can help me think about what I'm thinking about. Um, so now, talk a little bit now about uh, the Christian community and how this area of mental and emotional health might help us respond to God and uh, really vitalize, you know, revitalize perhaps uh, our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to do my best on this because Mike's actually taught me a lot in this area too, so I hope that he'll jump in. But, you know, does our emotional and mental health matter in our relationship to God, I think, is part of the question that you're asking. And I think the answer to that is yes. And here's what I'm going to say. I think depressed, for example, depressed people act depressed. You know, if you've ever been depressed, and and I have been, you know that it's um, a lack of energy. It's probably too much sleep. It's kind of an isolating feeling, and it's really down and sad and gray. It's hard to feel anything that's high or happy. And in, in the way that I describe it is that it's kind of like wearing glasses that are gray. And kind of everything that you see that's going on in your life is gray. And one of the things that we see through these gray glasses is our relationship with God. So it's tempting when we don't feel well to look at God in a way that's not well. It's tempting if I'm sad or and down and angry to be to look at God in a way that would be sad and down and angry. In fact, I probably if I have gray glasses on, I see God as someone out to get me or somebody who's trying to control me or somebody who is teaching me a lesson. And when I'm well, I understand that's not the case. And I see God as a loving, gracious, kind person who who has my best interests at heart, who promises me that these things that are going on in my life are going to work together for his good, even if it's hard. But I'm telling you that if you've ever been depressed or know somebody who's depressed, it's really hard to see and understand 
these things about God when we're unwell? Uh, when I was a, I'm going to just illustrate this a yeah. little bit. Uh, when I was a, a kid, right, uh, some of my favorite people were teachers, and I became one, so uh, go figure. But I loved my teachers, but I, I always was a little, there was a little bit of fear, right, uh, which maybe was okay, but, but I, I got my, and when I was a kid, uh, if you were bad, you got your name written on the board. I, I don't know how it was for you. If it was, it was like first warning, name on the board, Mike. I'm not going to tell you how many times my name got written on the board, okay? Now, if it was extra bad, right, if you had to have a warning plus, you got a check mark next to your name. That was bad. That was like, you're going to get it, mister, okay? A note's going home with mom and dad. If you were extra, extra bad, you got two check marks and then principal's office and suspension was three check marks. <laughs> I, have, I have a sense, right? Like my students sometimes see me that way. And I have a sense that sometimes we view God that way. That God is just watching us, waiting to put our name on the board and do the check marks. And I just wonder if, that, if we're not in a good place mentally and emotionally, that if our primary view of God is he's waiting, he's, he's, he has got the chalk in his hand, I'm going to write their name down and put check marks behind it. I want you to hear, Whiting Christian Church, we want to be a people who help others find and follow Jesus. If we're going to do that well, if we're going to build Christ-like community one neighbor at a time, then we need to be healthy. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to lead people to a God that loves us and desires to bless us if we don't understand and have a grave view of who God is. That's part of why we're doing a series that's, quite frankly, kind of scary for us because we want to help you in figuring out how we can help others become healthy mentally and emotionally. So, um, okay, next question. Okay. Next question. Okay. We have just a few minutes left. Okay. Okay. What are some steps? How do we, I mean, we're, I mean, other than just a few people out there, we're normal. Okay. Okay. Um, I know who they are. I'm not going to name any names. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, we, we work and we live and we have kids and... Right. You know, we're running to and fro, and harvest is coming up, and hours are going to get long, yes. and, you know, I mean, like, we're going all the time, all right. of us in this room. Right. Um, we're trying to figure out how to, to be good husbands and good wives and, and good colleagues at work and good grandparents and all that. What are some things that we can do to just check ourselves, maybe daily? I, I mean... What would you, if I walked into your office today and said, Stephanie, help me, sure. what would be a couple of the things that you might help us all with mm -hmm. um, just to check ourselves? Yeah, I think that's a fair question, right? Like, what do we do? Because it's one thing to think about these things, and then we kind of start to ask these questions now, like, what's next or what do we do? So this would be my, this is my clinical counselor had answer. Um, I would say that you should um, ask a friend or a family member to help you evaluate where you're at. 
because most of us think that we're better than we are. <laughs> right? I mean, most of us are like that. I don't really need, I'm not really depressed and I don't really need counseling. And then our spouse is like, you know, you're kind of angry all the time. And a lot of times people who aren't us can, are maybe our best friends or our spouses, um, can say things that maybe it's hard for us to see personally. Okay. I, maybe you're going here, but I want to make sure to address this, this question as you go. Okay. Okay. Because when I go to, to my spouse, right, and she says, why, yes, you are, my first reaction is, you know, right. I'm angry at you telling me I'm angry. Uh, so, right, how do we avoid this, like, natural human response of, no, I'm not. Yes. I'm fine. Yes. You're the one. You know, and then it becomes a, I'm not, you are, and you know. Right. Yes, How I do I avoid, because we all have blind spots. You don't know it because it's They're a blind. blind spot. Okay, yeah, oh, fair. It's fair, and I, there is no magic button for that, except that you're going to have to rise to the occasion and say, I'm asking. I, I guess I would say don't ask until you're ready to hear the answer. Okay, that's really good. Um, so if you really feel like, you know, I, I'm, gonna ta I'm taking this to heart, and, you know, friend or spouse, um, you know, I think there's probably some things in my life that I do need to work on. Um, you know, what are, what's your thoughts on that? You don't have to do that. Some people come see a counselor for that um, because I'm not their friend or their spouse, and I can kind of <laughs> say it the way it is, and then they pay me. And then they, they leave and they don't even like me. Um, and, that, and I can cope with that. Um, but so... So yes, but I would say it's okay to ask, maybe not even ask, just to have a conversation. Okay. Hey, I'm considering that there's probably some things in my life, or I've noticed this, what do you think? And if you are the person on the other end of that, show, show, show honesty and show grace. You know, I love you, but I do think sometimes your fuse is too short, and I think that we could figure that out. Let's do it together. That's totally different, right, than, yeah. you know, you, son of a gun. Okay. Then I would say, uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, these are the notes that are on the floor. Okay, I would say consider your community. So, you know, you, you, we are best when we're in community. So I think that people do operate better when they're not trying to do things on their own. So um, I see that you guys have life groups and you're doing, getting ready to do this October series, which I think is awesome. So I'm a firm believer in small groups or Bible studies or Sunday school classes just as an active, just as a part of our daily life. I would say to consider your schedule. I think about 50% of the counseling that I do is helping people weed through their schedule to see what can stay and what can go. I, it, we have a phenomenon of people who refuse to say no, who think that no is a very ungodly word. And in fact... I don't know anybody um, like that. I know you don't. <laughs> we have some people in this world who have a hard time saying no, and they feel that if it's their God-given gift that they must help in these different areas, and I'm just giving you permission to say no. I think the quality of our yes is determined by the quantity of our no's and that we need to strive after quality, not quantity. 
So I would encourage people to, to think about their schedules and if their schedules are really leaving space to be the type of mom and wife or friend or colleague that they want to be. Um, and then I tell people to consider professional help. You know, there's really something that is special about seeing a counselor. There are a lot of people who come to me and I can see something that they can't or I can say something that their friends and family can't because I don't have skin in the game, so to speak. I don't have to go home to this person or worry if this person's going to block me on Facebook tomorrow because they're mad at me. And that is the gift that a counselor gives to you. A counselor gives to you non-bias support. And so, that you know, I see a lot of people and, and I have to, they're somebody in their world. They're the boss or the whatever, whatever. And I tell them, and here we're all equal. You, you can't intimidate me into saying what you want me to say and you can't pay me to say what you want me to say. And that's what counselors give that friends can't. And so I also encourage people to get help from um, professional counselors, sometimes also professional doctors. I think sometimes um, anxiety and depression medication can help tremendously and that God has given us this resource and that it's um, certainly within the realm of help to take it. Awesome. Last question. Okay. For churches like ours, how, how do we help people? Yeah. Uh, how do we, what are some things that, that you have seen that we could do? Uh, because we do, we want to help people find and follow Jesus. Right. Uh, I think that the, you talk about it, what you're doing. So like I applaud any church that's willing to put a microphone on somebody who's going to say these things. The second is that you help break down the stigma to your friends and family. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm thinking about seeing a counselor, instead of saying, have you prayed about it? We say, good on you. Good for you, great idea. How can I help you? Can I help you find a counselor? Can I drive you to the counseling appointment? How can we break down the stigma that everybody who needs counseling isn't in this end of the bucket? We be supportive and encouraging people who don't act like you know this is a terrible or outrageous thing that somebody wants to get counseling. But the most important thing that you can do as a church to help in this area is to take care of yourself. So healthy churches are full of healthy people. And that if there's anything that you can do, have you ever heard the saying, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words? That's kind of what I mean by this. If you want to be a church that helps emotionally healthy people, then be emotionally healthy people. And for some of you today, that might mean getting some help. And it might mean acknowledging that we're humans and that we live in the real world and that sometimes we can't do everything on our own. And so we're going to take a step to try to get some professional uh, support and pers professional perspective towards some things that are going on in our mind. I, I'm blown away. I, period. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blown away. Uh, you know, one of the things that actually you taught me was that if we're not emotionally healthy, we're hurt, and hurt people will hurt others. And that's not a good place to be if we're saying from stage every week, we want to help, uh, help people find and follow Jesus and create 
Christ-like community one neighbor at a time. It's going to be awful hard to do that if we're not, if we're hurting. Because even if we don't know it, we're going to hurt other people. Right. I tell people it comes out sideways. You know, all this stuff that we stuff down and I'll deal with it later and it's not actually that big of a deal. You know, it starts to come out sideways with sarcasm and cynicism and anger and depression. And other people see it. And maybe for you and even your family, it's just so much of a habit that you don't even realize it. But it really makes, it really becomes a barrier to us sharing the gospel in community when we're, you know, kind of coming out and showing up in a way we didn't intend to. Good, good. Well, we don't have any more time, but um, I would love for you, if you'd like to have a further conversation with Stephanie, uh, she'll be here for a little while afterwards. Um, you have a private practice in Omaha. I mean, if you just love Stephanie and you're like, that's who I'm going to go to, well, uh, you can talk to her or contact me or Josh, and we'll get you in touch with her. Um, will you thank her for being willing to come all the way up here today? Thank you. Church, let me pray with you as, um, uh, as, as we go. Lord God, I thank you so much for who you are and all that you do. And I thank you that you have created us to be whole human beings, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Um, Lord, that you have, uh, you have created complex human beings uh, that we would be more like you tomorrow than we were yesterday and today. So Lord, I pray for my church. I pray for your people uh, that we will be a part of becoming whole human beings, even if that means, Lord, that we need to step out and get help from someone else uh, so that we can serve you and your kingdom better. Lord, we love you. We want to serve you however uh, you have sought for us to do that. Thank you so much for your goodness to us, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we want to be a church. We want to be a church. We want to be a people that loves people where they live. And that includes mental and emotional health, and we want you to be healthy, healthy people. So as you go today, know that it's okay. It's okay to step out. It's okay to get help, and we want you to go and do that. Many blessings as you go today. You are released. Have a fantastic afternoon.